Genre. And welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and joining me this week are returning guests Chris Mav Maverick. Welcome, Mav. Hey. And Hannah Rogers. Welcome, Hannah. Hi. And we're going to be talking about Regina Fuller from uh, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, which is, I believe, is the full title of this special. Is that accurate? <laughs> that, that is the full title. <laughs> 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 Christmas on the Square tells the story of Regina Fuller learning the true meaning of Christmas in about 24 very eventful hours. It's a little wibbly-wobbly on the time frame exactly, but it's a very small amount of time. And it stars Christine Baranski as Regina Fuller and Dolly Parton as Angel, who is an angel. And it was written by Maria S. Schlatter and directed by Debbie Allen. Well, Mav and Hannah, we always ask the question of how, how we came to this. I believe this is something you have discussed on your podcast a few times, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> uh, so Mav and I like cheesy Christmas movies. Check. And every year we watch as many as we can. Um, and we usually do shows about it. Um, sometimes with members of our family, because some of our podcast hosts don't love Christmas the way we do. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> who could not, well, okay, we'll get into this one in a moment, <laughs> but who could not want to have a discussion about this one? Um, I don't I, think any of the other hosts have actually seen it. Yes. And I, don't I think, think any of them, I think they've all refused to watch it. So, <laughs> and, and frankly, I feel like we didn't do the best job of selling them on this. Um, although, like, you well, know, we tried, to, we tried to not sell Joe on it and you picked it yeah. anyway. So, yeah. so yeah. maybe that's the secret. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to, before we dive into this, I want to be very clear that I wanted to do the princess switch. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was what I was pulling for. But, but, but I was just like, cause it's really, I love the protagonist Christmas movie game. Um, mm-hmm. You guys do every year where you guys pitch, um, you know, your your idea of what Christmas movies might be based on a title that Andrew has picked. Right. Yeah. Um, what I love about that is that Hannah and I watch all those movies and I listen to them when you when you guys do that game. And we're going and I'm going, you guys have clearly never seen a Christmas movie at all. It's fascinating. I love the show. This is no com- no complaints. Yeah. But like, it's just like, wow, that's an interesting pull. Um, so. <laughs> I always do at least one that's just a straight up. Here's a Hallmark movie plot. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, but the other one. But if I did that for all seven titles that were given, I feel like the game would be a little redundant. So we definitely try and go outside the box. Now, absolutely, I will say I have done some like pitches where I'm just grabbing tropes from various Christmas movies uh-huh. and smashing them together. I don't think I've ever achieved the <laughs> uh, just wild blend that Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square manages to pull in. Like, I've yes. done allusions to The Grinch or, uh, uh-huh. or uh, you know, A Christmas Carol or uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Never all in the exact same pitch. No, no. This is the most Christmas that can be put into a movie. All Christmas is in this film. It is it is a, a work of genius. It is... It is beyond description. <laughs> well, we're going to try, but yeah, yeah. So uh, watching it uh, two nights ago was my first time watching it. Mm-hmm. 
and I you had told me just in, in our loose description that it it had many Christmas ideas yes. embedded within it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has all the Christmas ideas. That's right. <laughs> so, well, I think, so Hannah and I both came to this. Basically, we came to this when we did an episode on it. In, or we did our Christmas movie episode in 2020, the year that it came out, and we both watched it. And I don't know about Hannah. I've watched it every year since. I love Hello. this movie. <laughs> I didn't rewatch it until last night in preparation for this. And I, I um, tricked my partner into watching it with me. And both of us, I think, had blocked out. <laughs> some of the plot like i remember in hindsight now discussing these specific instances which i won't get into because i know that that jumps ahead in Mm -hmm. the show but i remember discussing this stuff with mav and being like what oh my god what are the politics of this movie like what yes um and and then like i think i just chose to protect my mind mm-hmm. um, until it was time again because Josh and I, who had both seen it before, because he saw it with me the first time, were like, what? Mm-hmm. What is this film? <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll touch on some of those moments, so I'm giving you the plot summary because I was watching it with my wife, mm-hmm. and uh, there were certain points where we were just nakedly predicting exactly what was about to happen. There were a few that we just could not possibly have seen. Oh, coming. yeah, there's some twists. <laughs> <laughs> There are some moments where it's like, well, that was choreographed. You know, not not like Chekhov's gun, just like, I don't know, Chekhov's Christmas tree. This is just what happens in a Christmas movie. It's this thing, you know. But then there are some, I called it a tonal roller coaster when I messaged Map that I wasn't watching it. Just just in putting everything together, I don't know that they smoothed out the uh, the feelings that you're supposed to have from one scene to the next. It was just like, nope, this is what's happening in this scene, and here we go. Life life is not easy. <laughs> sometimes sometimes life is a cornucopia of feeling that must that must occur all at once. I'm impressed. So much at the plot, yeah. I, I want us to jump yeah. down to the plot because I just want to say I'm impressed that you both got your partners to watch it with you. My wife has seen it before, and she passed on watching it again. Shocker. Oh, uh, her loss. Her loss, I will say. Yes. All right. So this film, a little bit of trivia, was released on November 22nd, 2020. And I was shocked when I saw this. And I don't want that to flavor my assessment of this film. But it won two Emmys. That's right. The Emmy Award winning Christmas in the Square. That's correct. One for choreography. That makes sense. In sure. part because television choreography is maybe not as uh, pervasive as mm-hmm. it once was. So what was the competition for television choreography the, in, in 2020? But then it also went for Outstanding Television Movie. I was a little perplexed when I saw that. <laughs> because while I absolutely had fun watching this, I would not call it the best film I've ever seen. Well, so the 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 um, the competition for choreography was Genius Aretha, which I've never seen. Um, an episode of Lucifer, um, which was, which had a lot of, was that a musical episode? Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay. Another one bites the dust. And then, um, Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, that had a lot of choreography going on in that one. That's correct. So I assume, uh, I assume it was up against that. Um, it won for just to make it clear. When you say it won for best movie, it won for best television movie, yeah. um, which uh, for that year. And it was up against it was up against Oslo. Robin Roberts presents Mahala, um, Mahalia, 
uh, Sylvie's Love and Uncle Frank, none of which I've seen. None of which I've heard of. <laughs> I think the Tom, Emmys are broad. The, there are many. The Emmys is not the Oscars is 22 categories in and out. The Emmys and yet, are broad. And Emmys and yet, have like secret categories that you don't even know are there. That's correct. And and yet the Princess Switch 2, which also came out in 2020. Not nominated. Sadly. Was not nominated. What what is the world really? <laughs> Clearly, we're going to have you on next year to talk about the Princess Switch. Um, so we'll just pencil that in on our future schedule. Um, I want to say that the trailer I looked at said <laughs> this was going to have 14 new songs, which felt like a lot because I'd seen the runtime was about an hour and a half. So that's a pretty brisk pace of songs. But then the Wikipedia entry lists 25 songs that are in this film. I don't know which is right. I just know there were a lot of songs. The Wikipedia entry in, um, includes reprises, whereas the original mm. is – it's 14 original songs, but uh, some of them are are split into two parts. Like um, like maybe just maybe gets played a couple times. There's different verses that appear at different points in the song. So Right. No, that makes sense. And I think like so, some things get played over the credits and you know that wouldn't count for – uh, you know, new original song, but maybe it's slightly variation enough. They got a different listing on Wikipedia for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a, that's quite a few songs for an hour and a half long musical. And Dolly Parton wrote all of these songs. Um, I will just say there's a range of my appreciation for the songs <laughs> that I heard on here. <laughs> there's a spectrum. I felt the whole spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> there was somewhere I was like, oh, I'm feeling something and I did not expect to be feeling anything right now. And others were like, what? What is this? How? How was this produced? <laughs> uh, but before we, we get on to that plot summary where we'll talk about that in more detail, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank any of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media that we've been consuming that we're not yet covering as full episodes of this podcast. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. On to the plot summary. And I tried to plug in every song. I may have missed one or two because, again, there were quite a few. But here we go. There's a small town in the middle of America called Fullerville. Christmas song to open it up. Also, Dolly Parton is a homeless woman uh in this a, a very made up homeless woman yes. i will note <laughs> immaculate m- mascara for for an unhoused person yes uh regina fuller returns to her old stomping grounds on uh six months after her father's funeral we are told this very explicitly in dialogue this is a very expositionally dialogue heavy film where we're just told facts about people anytime they they encounter another person <laughs> uh regina plans to evict the entire town so that a shopping mall can be built there. Who will be going to the shopping mall once there is no one living in this town? Unclear, not important. Uh, Regina has an assistant named Felicity. Regina first sees Pastor Christian, really that is his name, and his wife, Jenna. They've been having some fertility issues, we find out. Again, lots of exposition. Uh, Then Regina visits her old friend, Margeline, at her hair salon and evicts her. Then she visits the general store and remembers being in love with the owner. She wants to evict him, but the store is closed, so she can't. Uh, The townspeople plan a protest to resist Regina, and uh, at this moment, there's a love song for Pastor Christian and his wife. Odd place, but here it is. (laughs) Nothing says love like the resistance. (laughs) Uh, Marjolaine is going to go visit Regina to do her hair at her house. They treat this as a standing appointment, even though Regina has just come back to town, it seems. 
uh, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe Regina normally, I'm sorry, maybe Marjolyn normally um, drives like a couple hundred miles to, uh, <laughs> yes. to do Regina's hair. Uh, Regina would not be above that. No, no. She would fly her in if it's who she wanted for a hair appointment. Um, Marjolyn is going to sing an angry song. So we get an angry song right here uh, where she tells Regina off. And then Regina is ignoring phone calls from her doctor. Dun, dun, dun. Regina goes to visit the general store again, and she gives the eviction notice to her old high school sweetheart who runs the store. And there's a wistful song about memories at this moment. Regina ignores the unhoused woman and almost drives into her doctor. This doctor's just wandering the street in front of Regina's car throughout this film. Uh, and he asks her to come by his office to talk about the results from her physical. This physical apparently included a brain scan because there was a shadow <laughs> during her brain scan. Um, and again, this, this doctor seems to live in this town, but Regina doesn't, but we're, we're not going to worry about that. Okay. That night, <laughs> Dolly Parton appears in Regina's home. Regina thinks this is a hallucination from the brain tumor that she remembers, uh, the, the, the homeless woman. And, and, uh, now she's having this vision of her that her brain is just firing some new neurons. Uh, but Dolly Parton insists that she is in fact an angel named Angel. And we get a song about lighting lamps. And then Regina remembers that her father loved this town. Now we're going to jump over to the church protest where everyone hates Regina. And there's a song about the wicked witch of the middle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> that, one, that one had some pep. I was, I was enjoying that one. I'm not going to lie. Regina <laughs> arrives <laughs> and announces a new deadline for making everyone move out christmas eve which is tomorrow so everyone has to move out of their homes and businesses by tomorrow and now the town is going to sing a song about hope it felt like those two songs maybe could have been flipped narratively <laughs> we're gonna have hope and the regina's gonna come and crush it and then we're gonna sing about how much we hate regina but now regina is gonna go stop at a bar where a child is going to serve her alcohol <laughs> just the liquor license is gone from this bar i just want to say there's there's no way a liquor license is being maintained here. but this child it's one of those precocious children that knows everything yes. uh and it's gonna violet talk with regina name. yes violet thank you and uh, they're gonna bond and they're gonna sing a duet I actually like this duet. It's a song about fairy tales. Uh, the girl's dad, who was away at the town meeting, uh, Violet says that her dad blames Regina for his wife's death. Um, and I think the, the reasoning is that Violet got sick. The local drugstore had been closed by Regina. And the mom died in a car accident while driving to a farther away town to go get medicine for her daughter. Uh, and... Uh, Regina, uh, you know, it, it, the Violet doesn't know that the Regina is the woman that she's talking about that her dad blames. But then uh, Violet says, I actually blame myself for being sick. And Regina is, is appalled at a child carrying that kind of guilt and tries to get her stuff. But then the dad comes and kicks her out. And now Regina wonders if she's the bad guy. So there's a song about maybe being the bad guy. Back at her home that night, Regina remembers her dad's excitement about building the town and hoping Regina will help run it one day. Angel appears to Felicity, again, Regina's assistant. Uh, the next morning. And here we learn that Felicity is an angel in training who is trying to change Regina's heart. Uh, we don't actually see Felicity do a lot of that. It's all angel that's involved in this, but <laughs> we can circle Felicity back to that. Felicity does some things. <laughs> Felicity wants to quit her job, but Angel sings her a pep song about everyone needing an angel. Uh, so Felicity is going to drive Regina to her doctor's appointment and they pass the high by the high school. Um, here's where we got some tonal whiplash for me. <laughs> <laughs> um yes yes 
Regina is going to remember going to her very first school dance. That's great. <laughs> she was in love with Carl, the shop owner, but she saw Carl give another girl a ring at the dance. So she's going to go dance with another boy. Boom, she's pregnant. <laughs> Next thing you know, because she danced <laughs> with this other boy. It's, it's very clearly happened. it's very clearly implied that she did more than dance. Um, I know, with, he, and he is a. I mean, by boy, he is explicitly. Well, they never used the word carny, but he is. He's a he's a boy that she's never seen before who came into town, made her feel pretty. She went farther than she, you see them dance. She went farther than she should have, and then she was pregnant, and he moved on to the next town and the next girl. He is. Very much a carny that comes through yeah. town. <laughs> um, and then uh, Regina's father is going to make her give up the baby for adoption. Mm-hmm. And then Regina is going to be so hurt and scarred by this whole experience that she's going to move as far away from the city as she can. Now, Angel is going to give Regina a vision that shows that her father agonized over the decision of giving the baby up for adoption, his grandchild, but saying this is what's best for Regina. And then Angel tells Regina she can't forgive others if she can't forgive herself. I don't know how this connects to the vision that she was just given of her father. <laughs> um, but that's the message we're supposed to take from the sequence of scenes. I, I, I just, I don't even know what I, I'm sorry. This does like, you just can't rip a baby out of someone's arms. They're crying to not take my baby away and then like, make it okay. Cause it's like doing what's yeah. best for the, whatever. Oh, journalism. Yeah, no, oh. That, that, I think this whole scene needed another pass on the script. <laughs> I will just say, <laughs> but we're just gonna move on. Cause the, the story does. You, does not I bet you don't, you don't know what's coming next. Yeah. yeah but, well, hold on. Well, you said you were, you were watching it with your wife and there were some twists you didn't see coming. That would have been one of them, right? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. And and the next scene, even more so. Yeah. <laughs> and this is okay. So no, uh, let's just get through the plot and then we'll talk about. It. Okay. <laughs> After her brain scan, she's walking out of the hospital. An ambulance pulls up with the lights on, which is like universe. Like we're all trained to know. Like this isn't just background scenery for a hospital. This means something is important you know when you see the sirens right there uh and the lights on so violet the cute child bartender which would be illegal has been hurt in a car accident she and her father were on the way to put flowers on her mother's grave on christmas eve when a hit and run happened uh and now uh regina tells felicity call the best doctor and fly them in with a helicopter so regina calls out uh to angel uh because she she doesn't know if this is a weird vision or if this is really guardian angel but she calls out to angel to help violet please uh and i think she even says does she say like my life for hers or something along those lines take my life if you have to yes yeah uh so now angel goes and has a little chat with felicity saying that we have helped regina change her heart i want to come back to what they did to help regina change her heart because (laughs) (laughs) ominous about that It's not explicit, but implicitly, there's something very ominous about that. Yes. Uh, and now Regina's changed heart must change her mind. That's the next step. So Mac, who is Violet's father, uh, like belts a soulful, heartfelt song over <laughs> his daughter's hospital bed. Just like every bit of pathos that can be milked from a note he is milking from a note uh, as he sings this song. Again, this whole film opened with a peppy Christmas dance number in the town square. And now now he's like, if you have to go to heaven to see your mother, go. (laughs) Okay, there's one line in there. 
Okay, I, we'll, 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 we'll zero in on the scene for a second, because there was something that got me way more than I expected, because at the bartending scene, Violet and Regina had talked about what it means to be a diva, and uh, Violet said, divas always arrive late and leave early, so it looks like they have somewhere more important to go. And in this mm-hmm. song, the dad sings, if you have to be a diva and go somewhere more important to be with your mother, that's okay. That's right. He gives her permission <laughs> to die. It's it's yes. a lot. <laughs> It's it's a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, where? Oh man. Okay. So now <laughs> Regina uh, asks Felicity to take her to Carl's store. Now Angel is going to warn Felicity that Regina isn't ready yet. She hasn't changed enough to go talk to Carl, but Felicity says, "Nah, she's got this." So she takes Regina to the store. After the night she's had, Regina's going to try and flirt with Carl. He's not terribly receptive to this. Regina tries to buy a lantern that her father had made. Carl says it's on the house and she can have it and she leaves. The town closes all their businesses for the last time. Christmas Eve, they're evicted. Uh, Angel is going to sing a song over the town, sprinkle some angel dust on Violet, who wakes up in her hospital bed. Her angel dust also hits Pastor Christian's wife, Jenna's womb. And... uh, (laughs) She's pregnant now, I guess. Did you did you she, predict she Dolly pregnant. Parton like artificially inseminating the pastor's wife as part of the plot? Immaculate no. through immaculate conception. That's correct. Yes, yes. the immaculate conception of, of, of Pastor Christian, which I love that name, Pastor Christian. Mm-hmm. His well, uh, yeah, his wife Jenna. His wife name. is now, uh, yeah, Jenna. Is, it, I mean, for the, we're supposed to presume she is now pregnant after seeing. There's a line list. later that that explicitly tells you that it's in song. Okay. You might have missed it, but she is explicitly pregnant. Yes. Okay. Now Regina is going to go home and light her father's lantern, and she finds a secret drawer which has a very small family Bible in it. Uh, and in there, uh, she learns her child's name. She rushes out from the hospital and almost hits her doctor with her car again. <laughs> and he tells her that her brain scan was clear. This doctor, the way he communicates with Regina, <laughs> it's just baffling. But now she's got this good news and she runs to find, and this is another one uh, as soon as like the scene happened. Like, well, as soon as the baby was given up for adoption, Emily and I were trying to guess who the baby was and we did not guess correctly. Um, Pastor Christian is her son. And she finds Pastor Christian and tells him that she is his mother. So now Pastor Christian is going to go to the church where the whole town is. He announces that Violet has uh, uh, woken up at the hospital. And then he gives a sermon about a young mother who has a child that wouldn't be accepted by the community. And then he tells everyone that Regina is his mother. (laughs) And Angel shows up and sings like full angel wings. She's just floating in the church with angel angel wings at this point. And and Dolly Parton is belting a song. Uh, Regina is going to sing and ask for everyone's forgiveness and say, she's not selling the town to those evil capitalistic mall people. Uh, And then angel and Felicity address the audience directly. They look into the camera and tell the audience, we must light our light. The end. And also footnote, Carl does a one eighty in the final song and is like, you know how I rejected you, Regina? Just kidding. I want to be a grandpa now. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's right. I, like, I should have mentioned that. I think yes. it was, even without me saying it, everyone would have assumed that happened. But it's important yes. that we actually <laughs> say that it did yes. happen. Well, you never know with this film. There's so well, many. So Jenna, the line before that, Jenna tells um, tells Regina that she's going to be a grandmother. You know, basically yes. uh, confirming that uh, uh, how Jenna knows she's pregnant. You know, sometimes you can just feel it when you're yeah. immaculately conceived conceived i guess i don't know i guess guess the baby's already kicking she knows (laughs) it's i mean it's been at least an hour 
you know? <laughs> so I guess, uh, I don't know. Movie magic. This... <laughs> okay. This film was a wild ride. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I warned just... you. So did I. I. We said we said the most Christmas. It's it's a lot. It's, it's in and, fact more than Christmas. It exceeds Christmas. I mean, I, there are some things to nitpick. Like I said, there's a lot of dialogue that is just so exposition heavy. It's like, could we not have found another way to reveal this information to the audience? And some of the line readings are pretty wooden. Um, I I double checked and like I thought maybe. I'm not trying to knock his his performance in this piece, but I thought maybe Pastor uh, Christian had been hired for his singing <laughs> and not his acting. Oh, Josh Segura of yes of Arrow of Arrow fame. Yeah, I was gonna and, say, he's been in quite a few and, things, um, and I don't. Recently, I, and I've seen won't. some of the things that he's yeah. in, and I don't remember thinking that he was wooden. But in no. this, he came across as very wooden. Yeah. yeah, I I was shocked that he was the same person as like the new love interest in the newest Scream movie, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, he had charisma <laughs> in that. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just something with the the directing or trying to deliver those particular lines. I, I well, was uh, it felt it felt. Keep not, in mind, the, not in an Emmy winning film performance. Yes. I will just say. <laughs> to, to be fair, the script here is that a Scrooge like miserly woman is going to sell the entire town to build a mall, like a cheetah under- mall. Yes. <laughs> Yes, understand that they're just they're just trying to build a, she's not selling just one area. She's selling the entire town to build a mall on it. Once the town's gone, who's coming to the mall? Not clear. Yeah, yeah. That is one of the questions we should not dwell on of many. All, all uh, of middle America, you guys. Like, that's right. like it's the biggest it's gonna be a big place in Kansas and people are gonna come from all over because malls are not failing. Yeah. Like it's it's like you know, it's like the new big thing. Like, Everyone goes to the mall. There's there's the, the joke about like the five or states that people in New York and, and LA don't know about anything in the middle of America. Do they think it's all in driving distance? Like if we need to run to the biggest mall, we'll all no matter what state you're in, if you're not in New York or LA, you'll just drive to Kansas. Dolly doesn't <laughs> Dolly knows what middle America's like. Oh, it's true, she, she does. <laughs> like like the South is very big. Like I have to make a thirty-two yeah. hour drive when I oh, want I, to like go see my family. I, I I live in Utah. It takes a while to leave the state if I'm driving to another state. <laughs> it's not it's not like New England. <laughs> by the way, again, and I say Dolly Parton because Dolly Parton is the producer of this film. This is this is all Dolly. Like <laughs> Like she's, now she has shifted into a little bit of a Christmas Christmas special realm more frequently, yes. right? Yeah, she's done a few of them. Um, I mean, not she's done other stuff. I mean, she's Dolly's going to be Dolly, right? Like Dolly is, we on on planet Earth are, are blessed to have her, and yeah. she's done several Christmas specials, including one uh, about herself as a little girl, um, based on. I mean, I shouldn't say based. It's very confusing. Um, Dolly's life story is in a film that's uh, where she is a little girl with a Technicolor dream coat. Um, and, <laughs> and then she I mean, made a sequel to that, that it's a Christmas story. It's like the it's the coat of many colors Christmas or something like that. Um, Dolly's all in on Christmas, rivaling Mariah Carey. Right. Yeah, I know. I actually looking up Dolly Parton Christmas special. I thought I could just go to the first one I found. And the first one that came up was Magic Mountain Christmas. And I looked at the plot summary. I'm like, no, that's not it. (laughs) 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 I mean, that that one seems like an odd choice, but it's not as strange as uh, Christmas on the square. (laughs) I looked at that one. Um, 
yeah so i mean that like you said this is dolly parton production all the way through um the script on the one hand is is fairly simple there's just like a cartoonish villain but then you also have like a child that's a victim of a hit and run in the middle of this of this story so it feels there's a lot going on we in our uh, messaging before we start, we kind of talked about some of the web of influences mm-hmm. where there's a you you can see some plot points maybe maybe plucked from some other existing works, Christmas themed or not. Um, off the top of your heads, what stands out for you as maybe some of the influences that we see in Christmas on the Square? Hannah, do you have one? I think you might oh. have one. <laughs> oh, it's Dickens all yeah. the way. Um, like. It's not even like it's obviously a Christmas Carol um, mm-hmm. is is a part of this, um, but even the first song called Christmas is it's like Christmas is a time for caring, and then it's like hey, um, some are blessed with gifts and trinkets, others having none, none. Some have feasts up on the table, others having crumbs. There are the haves and have-nots, and you could be either one. Meanwhile, if you remember Charles Dickinson's perhaps the most famous lines from a tale to say is it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. And I, I won't go on because it really does for a while. And like, I know not everyone listening to this is a, a Dickens person, but the, 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 you know, the point Dickens is making the opening lines of um, a tale to cities is like, you know, there are a lot of wealthy people in like the 18th century. Um, it is particularly in, um, you know, France and England with the aristocracy like feasting while other people like were like suffering and that led to led to like a French revolution and also um things haven't been that much better in like the present day like Dickens's present day in the Victorian era and also turns out that things are not like the greatest in present day middle America um this film argues because like you know um who needs health care when the, econ- the economic decision can be made to shut down the drugstore because it's not making money? Um, but also, you can be a hero when you fly in the best doctor. Yes. Spare no expense. Yeah. Which is, I mean, and that's that's the that's the Scrooge wakes up, realizes he's a good person now, and, mm-hmm. you know, go buy the largest duck or whatever the line is. Yeah. Um, is it goose? goose? I believe it's a goose. It's a goose. No, it's, it's a turkey because turkey? actually... So, so fun fact that I kind of hate, actually, because I don't really like turkey, is that turkey. um, Yeah, I know. But we we do this every year. (laughs) On our show. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) On Queen Uh, So, like, turkey was considered more of a delicacy because it was, like, harder to get. Um, They're not the mass-produced turkeys of today, which apparently that's, like, a whole thing that's horrifying. You shouldn't look into it. Um, And actually, the Cratchits were totally going to have goose before... Mm. Scrooge showed yep. up and was like, "Here's the prize-winning turkey." Turkey, yep. Um, so yeah, fun, fun Dickens. I was, times. I was hearing uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol like a goose, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like a little <laughs> Tiny Tim's cry of the Christmas goose. But now, yeah, the goose, the goose, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, um, yeah, and and like, not to get like, um all serious um about healthcare since we were talking about and like that is like as as like tropey as that part is about violet's father uh blaming regina for violet's mother's death like i mean 
rural hospitals like are like at risk of closure or have been closed like huge problem in mississippi well well, right aid just right aid just closed something like 10 or 15 percent of their stores across america literally last month so uh, which is what the plot is the uh, the the drugstore was not profitable so regina closed it down that's how that's how violet's mom dies yeah, and, and like, and and so like, like, um, and like people like at CVS and like other places, um, have had layoffs, and employees have talked about how untenable it is to work at pharmacies. So like, there's a huge healthcare crisis across our nation, um, not just in terms of like how expensive it is, but like even like being able to access it. Like today, someone was telling me their saga of trying to get like a COVID booster, and like they were like, you know. If I wasn't determined to get this, I would have given up by now because it's actually like super hard to access. Well, and, and I mean, the film not only talks about that, the shutdown, but it also has that explicit moment where the rich person can say, well, get me the best health care. And they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's how Tiny Tim survives. Like Scrooge throws money at the problem. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and and. and yeah, there we are. <laughs> so there's Dickens for sure uh, mm-hmm. present in this. Uh, like you said, explicitly we get Christmas Carol moments of her being uh, a Scrooge-like figure, and also Violet being a Tiny Tim-like figure. You know, that's that's hurt, and her trying to save uh, Regina, mm-hmm. trying to save Violet. So there's the, like some of those explicit beats, but then there's also it's some a wonderful of the, life. Uh, well, I was gonna say you know more Dickens than just that, as you pointed oh, yeah. out. But yeah, uh, Mav, it's a Wonderful Life is the next most obvious. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to the point yeah. where it's called out explicitly. So there's a point where it's uh, it's going it's going poorly, getting re- getting Regina to repent and ch- change change. That's an ongoing joke in the beginning, which you don't you don't really pick up until you've watched it like the second or third time. Which is she's going around at the very beginning begging for change, but she's actually asking her to change. And then you can and then you get to see you ask what Felicity does. Felicity is there like telling she's not uh, she's actually not talking to Regina during that scene she keeps talking to Dolly Parton to Angel saying she hasn't changed yet I'm still working on it it's actually uh, it, it's actually really clever writing for a movie that does not deserve that cleverness um, but uh, <laughs> but but like but you pick it up if you watch it again you'll see like oh my god yeah they actually are doing a thing there that, that, that yeah. took a lot of a lot of subtle thought um but yeah once once um you know that felicity is an angel in training she and she gets sick of it and it's where she's going to quit and she t- she says to dolly parton can't you just ring a bell or something and dolly or angel it's dolly <laughs> dolly says back to her uh it doesn't work that way clarence you know like yeah. <laughs> ma- making a direct allusion to um to its wonderful life which is actually pretty uh, intertextual <laughs> doing a <laughs> pop culture moment there um a, a, you know a postmodern pop culture moment it was it's pretty good yeah like like acknowledging the mm-hmm. the you know the 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 source there mm-hmm. uh with it um i was thinking with uh with his wonderful life uh regina is a, clearly would be like the potter figure mm-hmm. but her dad has already named the town after himself <laughs> yes <laughs> so but, there is but, but you have to see he was right all along everyone because he wanted to keep the rents low and the yes. spirits high so he was a benevolent paternal figure yes. who just knew what was best for the town and his daughter and if only forgiveness were centered <laughs> more 
Mm-hmm. And none of this would ever have happened. I'm being so sarcastic. <laughs> I, know are, I know that you're picking up on that. I just want to make that so clear because yeah. the politics of this movie. Ugh. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, eat the rich, fine. But like, yeah, like how, like, it, we get a, you know, we get a female Scrooge figure, and like, the center of like her greed and like trauma is that her choice was taken from her and her baby was ripped away mm-hmm. yeah like it definitely is leading into kind of that noblesse oblige for the father like oh you know he's as you said like kind of this paternalistic fear that scene where he takes the baby away though it still baffles me what we're supposed to take from that and the lesson is supposed to be um having watched it and being a little confused and writing the summary and be like nope not any clearer and now in our discussion it's like what was yeah. this scene <laughs> what? i think he's supposed to be wrong i think Dolly and the writers, um, the other writers, Dolly is one of the writers and the other writer is, it was, um, uh, let's see, it's listed only as um, Maria Schlatter. Yes, Uh, Maria Schlatter um, is the other writer. And they clearly, like, I think they want you to take away that Mr. Fuller was doing the wrong thing, perhaps for the right reason. Like, there's, like... You also get that he regrets it. Um, you get that, you know, he spends the rest of his life sort of trying to watch out for Christian. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it, it is um, it is hard to watch. I mean, there's a lot of parts of it that are hard to watch. Like you're watching you're watching this woman have her baby ripped out of her arms and him just like pass it off. It, that's rough. And in the very next scene, you get to see Violet, you know, who's suddenly hanging onto the edge of life. And then her father telling her it's okay to die. You know, <laughs> like there's, there, there's a lot that like can be melodramatic <laughs> in this, yeah. you know, there's a uh-huh. lot of pathos and hanging on. It, it, it's, it's a bunch. It's, and I, I, the reason why I'm not as confident as you that he's supposed to be wrong is because I think because this isn't a, if there's one thing that can be said for this film, it's a tight 90 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It goes, you know, like it moves. Uh, and and I think because it moves and like they need to resolve things very quickly, they, they just move from like that deep upsetting trauma to like forgiveness to Christian mm-hmm. talk. Like everyone talks about Regina's father very positively except, mm-hmm. Regina, except Regina. And then she forgives him and like that's what she's expected to do. Um, and I just, I don't, I think that you absolutely can read into it that he is wrong in the same way that you can read into a Dickens novel that characters who are supposed to be good in Dickens' eyes are not good because it's, it's somewhat there, but it, I don't, I don't think the movie is as explicit as it should be, especially Hmm. for a movie that has like the most unsubtle lines ever. Hmm. Um, Like (laughs) the most unsubtle. (laughs) Yeah, nuance isn't necessarily pervading. No, no, no. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, think, it's... I think. Yeah, I think that this and like the this and the fact that maybe Dolly Parton like caused a car accident yes, to put that... a child in the hospital, and also maybe gave maybe a, no, she explicitly tumor. caused one. Okay, I wasn't sure how explicit it is. Mav, how explicit is it that the okay. angel caused their the hit and run? No, they're in a they're in a wreck, and like so, it is um, angel explicitly says to felicity that well that worked 
you know, basically. Like, so they caused the they caused there to be a hit and run accident so as to put Regina in the place to push her along. Um, it comes up a couple times. It comes up when they're sitting on the back of the ambulance as a as they're trying to um as they're trying to Christine Baranski's character, Regina is trying to call for help. And it comes up again when uh when Felicity is driving uh Regina later and Dolly Parton's hanging out in the ashtray. Um she's they, they they basically say, you know, we've done what we could in order to set her on the path, but she's not she's not all the way there yet. Which yeah. the only thing they've done, the thing that set her on this path is um having a having a hallucination about her father, which we know they caused, like Dolly Parton absolutely caused her to have the hallucination where she gets to see her father steal her baby again. And they, you know, crashed the car like those are the two things that turn her around um so therefore they must have caused it It, it, like there's no other events that must be what she's talking about because they've done some stuff and there's no other stuff here's the thing maybe they gave her a brain tumor mav also like yeah okay yes they yes they so but it's all torture is what i'm getting at this is the this is the i mean one of our other influences is job right this is this is a god who who gets who gets you on the right path by causing you to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Although Job was on the right path. This is Yeah. Then yeah. Satan, <laughs> you know. Satan was testing him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this is there's a there's a lot that happens in a very tight window of time. So I can yes. see the Job illusion there. Mm-hmm. Um talking about this and the you know the the actions of everyone that, that we see play out in the film where maybe we should pause and, and question some of the like you said the politics of this. Um <laughs> When we learned that Regina had a baby, uh, my wife and I were like, who? It's clearly like it has to be someone we've met. <laughs> I, thought we, gonna be the, I thought it was going to be Jenna the okay. first time. We thought it was going to be, yeah, Violet's mom is who oh. we thought. Oh, I know. I thought it was going to be Jenna. I thought it was going to be oh, okay. Christian's wife. I got. Yeah, I guessed wife. it right because he was the only person who made narrative sense because yes. he wanted to be a father and a husband, and, that and clearly sense. that was from because he had none, mm-hmm. or or you know he was adopted, and that that's always like the uh, fault, like like trope that movies mm-hmm. or TV like fall into. Like I was adopted, and so I. I need to give someone a family or I want a family of my mm-hmm. own. Um, he does very explicitly, which I, again, this is something I did not see the first time I watched the movie, but I've seen it three times since then. Um, he does very explicitly say to Jenna when Jenna is um, very tragically sad that she cannot give her husband a baby. He says, it's okay. You're going to be a great mom. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a natural birth or if we adopt, he basically very clearly says, mm-hmm. I just, I want a family with you because I want to raise yeah. children with you. I don't there's care something where, else where, where they come from. Where like, she said, like, she knows that he wanted, uh, you know, a wife and kids. He's like, all I want is you. <laughs> you know, yeah. he does, he does say like, I'm mm-hmm. like, you're not a vehicle for me to have children. Right. You're, you're my wife and I love you. Yes, he is. He is. He's also named Christian, <laughs> as you, as you pointed out in the thing, which is straight out of a Pilgrim's Progress. If you want to, yeah. yeah, like, which is, I don't know who, who's read a Pilgrim's Progress. We're all like professional English majors. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I had to, but like, oh, I had to read some of it. Yeah. Yes. I've read the, I've read it and I, I've read the sequel. It's, I read uh, it <laughs> when I was a kid because, wow. Um, oh, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it seemed very exciting that like, you know, I, I think there was like some pilgrims progress board game. I feel like I could be making this up Whoa. or it's a fever dream. Um, 
but like it, or, or maybe there was a, I don't know. There was something in my life that like introduced me to the idea of it. And I was like, this sounds very exciting, like very dangerous and fun. And, um, not, not exactly. <laughs> for, for listeners who, have, who are not familiar with Pilgrim's Progress, it is a, it's a 1670 something yeah, allegory exactly. of Christianity wherein, um, a man leaves his family and walks to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah 1678 yeah and yeah. he yeah john bunyan and he basically he he walks to heaven it's literally the journey to be a christian his name is christian and he's trying to be a good christian and the journey to be a christian is very hard and it's the path you must walk in order to in order to get to god and then um there's a sequel that comes out later where christian's wife and yes this is true Christ, uh, uh, Christina or Christina, Christina, like it's Christian with, it's not Kristen with an A, it's Christian with an, Christian a. So, with an a. Yeah. So Christina, <laughs> um, and their kids, they walk the path later to be with Christian and they, and it's basically the same book. It's, it's a yeah. lot of walking <laughs> to heaven. <laughs> I, I Googled and there are Pilgrim's Progress board games. So, you know, no. I, I think that my childhood was just a fever dream. It did exist. Um, Perhaps um, something was there. Um, yes. Okay. Um, right. I'm not. I'm not going to dive too deep into this. <laughs> I, I want to say, like, when Emily and my wife said, like, maybe it was Violet's mom. We like, I said, but that would make her like responsible for her own daughter's death. That feels too dark. But then I also was like, but maybe in this film, <laughs> that's what they would do yes. because. <laughs> because this is all over the place Mm -hmm. like it really uh, like one of the other references i have for it is the grinch where she is like this cartoonish villain and the opening feels like it could be a live action cartoon Mm -hmm. uh you know with the whole town singing and dancing and then we get these other really dark samba melodramatic scenes that feel completely divorced from the tone of uh, uh of of the opening of this film but absolutely like regina is is the Grinch coming and stealing their Christmas uh, and making it worse. <laughs> like I've already stolen it, but now I'm going to steal even more mm-hmm. uh, and kick you out sooner uh, for it. So that's definitely one of the web of influences. We also get very explicit discussion of, uh, of, you know, the, the, the nativity story mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of, uh, you know, a mother with child um, and, and being tied back to Regina in a way that doesn't, white land fully doesn't like all the dots don't connect but the dots are being put on the board for us i guess mm-hmm. uh for that so we, we, let's throw in the book of luke as another <laughs> of and, the web of influences and then just the standard hallmark netflix christmas movie formula of you know there's a big city successful woman who gets trapped in a small town where she's in love with an artisanal shop owner um that's just the <laughs> backdrop for this movie it, and there's a it's precocious like the, child yeah right? it's like That's the c or d plot them. yes precocious child yeah so just a little caveat you were you kept saying you were you were you seem very bothered by the fact that violet is the bartender in this bar that's well, just, just the thought, thing that happens sometimes i, I just <laughs> thought this, this bar should not have its license if she's running the bar probably not but like if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the world of christmas movies and hannah will agree sometimes you just have to accept that Often the often a random artisanal shop might be run by a nine year old who and, and I'm serves fine alcohol. If it's like the artisanal <laughs> bird feeders or Santa oh no no I mean it's usually or, the end 
Yeah, uh, it's usually the inn, so an yeah, inn might be fine. run by a nine-year-old who serves alcohol. It's just the thing you got to yeah. you got to roll roll with it. it no, no, no. Like, like running the shop, it's just the the fact that she's like, you want a whiskey? That's right. <laughs> this thing, this happens. One finger two. I mean, I mean that that's just pouring a bottle. It's not actually having to mix like four different liquors into a shaker and and get fancy and like I mean thwacking Violet the shaker is very hard. I mean, yes, she. If she's doing finger measurements, are they less because she's a child? Is that... <laughs> She'd work it out. She's she's very precocious. Oh yeah, she she would yeah. know, right? I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, like, she she pours the whiskey. It's easy money. Um, she pours herself a glass of chocolate milk. Yeah, we, presumably, and they talk yeah, and about I, fairy tales. And I do like the duet that's there, and, mm-hmm. but that's also where, like, um, I think that's when Violet is talking about her mom's death. Where I'm like, this is getting. Like, I'm feeling things I was not expecting from the first half of this film. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really feeling emotionally connected to, to Violet here. Mm-hmm. And you need to because, uh, because again, like, Violet is in the position of, oh, I don't know. Have you ever read Uncle Tom's Cabin? <laughs> uh, chapters of, I've never read the whole thing. Okay, so so Uncle Tom's Cabin there is a little girl in there whose entire purpose is to make you fall in love with her so that when she dies, you feel sad. Or the, that's the girl in the red coat and, in Schindler's List. And yes, that's, yes. that's also a trope in Dickens. Like there are yes. multiple tiny children, some of whom live like Tiny Tim, but many others die or other like sentimental Tragedy characters. Befalls, like the, isn't it in the Curiosity Shop? Is that? Oh, little Nell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So like little Nell, um, Dombey and Son, for example, like there, there's, there's characters that are um, cute and kind, or and tragic, and it's it's what my I, I had a short story writing class once, and the teacher called them the the dead dogs, <laughs> where <laughs> like they serve the narrative purpose of making the audience sad. Um, <laughs> it's is uh, what he called some characters who whose only sole existence in the story is mm-hmm. to like pluck at the heartstrings in the end right. when yep. something bad happens to them. And mm-hmm. this, and I mean, this film like really leans into like nineteenth century sentimentalism, where yep. it 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 really, I mean, really uses all the tropes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of them we've discussed, to try mm-hmm. and make you feel things far more quickly. Than a Dickens novel, or oh yeah, a, oh, yeah. yeah. you're not getting through a Dickens novel in 90 minutes. Um, yeah, Uncle Tom's Cabin, same thing. It's like, I mean, that's yeah. that's a oh, yeah. that's a weak read. That's a it's like 900 pages. I mean, <laughs> my copy is it's long. It's um and and I think oh god, Eva probably dies in the first 300. Page. I don't know. I don't remember exactly where. It's been a long time since I've read it. But uh, oh, little Eva is the name of the girl, and she dies pretty early on. But she literally just only exists because she is in in a time of slavery. She is the one person who sees humanity and everybody, and she is the best person. and And so she's got to die because that's the entire point. Is <laughs> that's the only reason she exists? She is a wise girl beyond her years. Um, Violet in this film even says, "Well, I'm an old soul, so it's okay for me to work in a bar." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the liquor board agrees. That's right. Um, there's also uh, amongst the influences, I want to throw out fairy tales, particularly like Beauty and the Beast with the, uh, you know, the, the magical beggar woman at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's going to kick off the whole plot. Um, 
because of how she's been treated. It's not quite as explicit as, uh, you know, Regina was mean to uh, Angel. And so Angel is <laughs> cursing her, essentially. Though we did bring in all the Book of Job stuff. I mean, brain tumor. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean fairy i mean although the movie casts fairy tales as like the more disney-fied versions where they're happy um fairy tales in the 19th century were like super dark um mm-hmm. this is true well, so, I, but I, I mean it's weird because i wouldn't call this film dark but it is at some parts it's yes. <laughs> very dark um, it is to- it is totally inconsistent like you you literally go from celebrating to we're stealing your baby like it's minutes <laughs> i mean, I mean go go read like the snow queen or yeah. sleeping beauty like talk about tonal shifts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like actually i mean like really if if it this reminds me of anything it, it's it's very t- like actual fairy tales where it's like you want to like change people into geese for some random reason? Okay. And then like a mouse eats them and then like a witch brings them back and then like somebody gets set on fire. Um, you really feel that a lot of fairy tales were just parents telling a bedtime story and the kid just kept asking why or, or what's next and they just like threw something in there and uh, it's stuck in the next retelling. I mean – Honestly, what I'm getting out of this entire conversation is we're basically doing an episode that's like, uh, we watch this so you don't have to. Although no, I think everyone should. <laughs> I know you'd think everyone Here's the thing. <laughs> this movie, I'm going to, it is a mess. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I kind of liked the mess. <laughs> it's bizarre. I mean, I, I get, I, I, I get the problems with it. This is not, um, this is, this is no one's finest hour. And yet, um, like the guy who plays Mac, um, and I've not seen him in anything else. Um, I think he knew, oh my God, I'm in this movie with Dolly Parton. This, this is, is my chance. I'm, I'm <laughs> going for the Grammy. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving it, I'm giving it my all because when he sings that song. It's like, uh, I really did feel like, I'm like, this is like, uh, the person who gets to do the Jean Valjean number in, in Les Mis. Yes. And, like, this is your moment. In, in the repertoire where it's like, okay, if we're doing one song from everything, who wants one day more? <laughs> you know, or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, I'm doing it. I'm going all in. <laughs> that, yeah, that is what I, that is what I believe happened in this film. Um, I think, um, uh, what's her name? Janine, um, the, the woman who plays Felicity, she's, um, she's like, she used to be the host of So You Can Think You Can Dance, a reality show that my wife has watched. Um, she, it, she plays Felicity and the character is a bunch of nothing. But I, okay. <laughs> but I why think does, she has Felicity done to earn her wings by the end? Um, like Felicity's <laughs> role in this, it really feels like Angel is the agentive heavenly force here that's making things happen but felicity is her confidant and is the one who gets her talking about her deep-seated trauma and felicity is trying yeah but felicity angel is like giving her a vision of her deep-seated trauma like that's why it's on her I mean, mind I'll, just because I, yeah. I mean, what, what can you say yeah. the felicity think... put up with all of regina's nonsense <laughs> that, yeah. that gets her her wings you well, dealt with her no i think felicity so uh, felicity does a lot of I think where she earns it is Felicity basically is a good friend um, throughout the, you know, she's a, she's an employee because Regina thinks she's her assistant, but she is doing her best to actually, you know, be a good friend at Christmas time to both Regina and all the townspeople. She's, she's actually around a lot. 
um, because Dolly Parton or the I, I I feel weird calling her angel all the time because for one thing I like I think the character is more supposed to be God than the angel like I think I think Felicity is in the Clarence role she is an angel who's trying her best and isn't quite there whereas Dolly Parton especially since she gets to do the you know immaculate conception bit um, she is being much more godlike but also she's being. She's being a god that is a little old testamenty, right? Like she's she's doing the all right, well, you're not doing this quick enough. Let's get this party moving. We're wrecking the car and and gonna put the little girl in traction. Like that's that's the kind of like do this, do this. No, she's not ready to see her boyfriend yet. And Felicity says, No, she's got to go there because it's important for her. Like it, it, there's a there's just a bit a bunch of humanity about Felicity that I think is underserved because the movie the movie is 98 minutes from start to finish with credits and there's a there's a three minute credit opening number like that before they all dance and then there's like at least five minutes credits at the end so it's it's 90 minutes a story mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and there's you know seven or eight main characters so you get a lot of people to get through yeah and so many plot like I, I read through the plot like they, they actually do quite a bit that's happening uh it doesn't all feel like naturally progressive for one and and like when you stop to question any of it it you, like you pull out a thread this film will fall apart mm-hmm. as far as like narrative cohesion <laughs> whoever yeah. needs narrative cohesion it's not like we study well, this kind of thing what's what, one thing that's so interesting to me is that this is explicitly a musical one thing that broadway musicals allow is characters to provide exposition i am going to sing my internal monologue and we accept that as mm-hmm. what happens and yet a lot of the exposition of this is given to actors to say woodenly <laughs> like why don't we just sing this and we'd all accept that as like oh now we now we know why her father you know what what her father's life story is or everything or how long it's been since she's been in town if she just sang that line it'd be like that's what broadway musicals do that's fine but when like she walks up and pastor christian's like i haven't seen you in six months since your father's funeral yeah well that was <laughs> clunky. there's a little of both though because again you get the like max sings his feelings in the the daughter scene right mm-hmm. like and yeah. i think that there's i think that you you get you have Marjolaine um, is always singing her feelings at Christine. She's she tells you in song, you know, why Christina um, Christine, great fancy, why Regina um, is um, is so, you know, hated. And then that sort of gets you to it sets you up for when you get to the church scene and they get to do the Wicked Witch of the Middle song, which, by the way, I again, I love allusion to, to um, I guess, Wizard, Wizard of Oz, of Oz. <laughs> yeah, Wizard of Oz, right? They, they do say like we had the Wicked Witch of the East and, and the, the West, West, but here we have the Wicked Witch of the Middle. Yes. Of Middle America, presumably. And like yeah. I, I, so I think there is a lot of exposition, exposition through song, but I think that this movie, you know. This movie is 90 minutes in and out, like we've said, and there are 25 musical numbers and to and there was a lot of exposition that they had to get to and they didn't want to write seven more songs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like because then we'd have a two hour movie and that can't that can't, that can't be allowed to happen <laughs> here is for 90 minutes. That's what we were allotted by by Netflix. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say this about this movie. It's interesting that the church is the place of like radical like resistance against capitalism. <laughs> That's weird. That was a cough, man. I love that he, he he has a sign. He actually has the resist Regina sign that he explicitly hangs 
presumably above a cross on, <laughs> on the top of the church because like it's literally at the top of a church uh, in on the steeple where typically there's like a you know a cross or some other God image that goes there at most American churches. So they put this resist Regina sign there so they could do their little um, town hall meeting, which I thought was a interesting choice. I, uh, if we're saying what worked well in this film, I will say like, I think it deserved its choreography. Like I was impressed with some of the dance numbers. I love it when you can tell, like uh, they put out the call for all the trained Broadway dance actors and they all came and they brought their a game. <laughs> it's like, I get my chance to do it on film. Here we go. <laughs> so just as an, as an aside, so the director of this film, including presumably the director of choreography, um, if, if she wasn't doing it, she's no, she absolutely did it. Uh, Debbie Allen directs this film. Debbie Allen is a world world renowned um director of choreography famous for among other things fame uh, yeah. so so debbie allen um breathes good choreography there 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 is nothing else like she could do this in her sleep and so she absolutely deserves an emmy for anything that she that she touches <laughs> Well, and, yeah, and like even in that opening number, like you could just uh, tell, like, oh, these are professional dancers. Like, <laughs> like there's some some dance numbers that you see, and even in some musical films, where it's like, okay, not everyone here knows how to dance quite as well as everyone else. <laughs> but this is like, oh, look at this. You know, this is an energetic, uh, fully practiced, uh, well rehearsed, well choreographed, designed dance number that we have to kick this thing off. Any final thoughts about Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square? I want to point out this is the protagonist podcast and we barely talked about Regina as a character because her character just hangs. <laughs> there are no characters in this film. We talked about Ebenezer <laughs> Scrooge and the Grinch. I don't yeah. know what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Her character is very much like, do you know this, uh, like this more caricature? Do you know this character type? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, from Christmas stories. And if you do, we're off. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we do get some backstory. We we get some explanations. We get some evolution. We get uh, we get a Christine Barret Baranski like emoting. Right. Okay. So I will say like oh I I didn't mean to mention that as far as like things of praise like she can put a somber stare on like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now like she really can just through her own sheer charisma looking off in the distance is like, this is a professional performance I'm witnessing right here in the middle of this mm-hmm. weird candy land. <laughs> now, if you, yeah. If you all enjoy this performance and weird musicals, if you can sit through this mama Mia one, mama Mia two, Christine. Oh, Bansky. okay. Mama Mia is a different level. <laughs> <laughs> the Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. I'm is it? sorry. <laughs> I, I, I've seen it recently. Is it? I mean, I I, I, I understand. I, I enjoy the Mamma Mia franchise, but I, you know, I, I, I will say more than strained line delivery there. There's some strained singing in Mamma Mia. Yes. Um, that is part of the charm. Yes. Uh, that's, that's Pierce Brosnan has never been so committed <laughs> he's trying that is true bless <laughs> his heart choices were made uh, <laughs> i would also i mean i think i think you're right about about regina's character um i i think what they've done here they've given you a couple of you know specific allusions to things like christmas carol and it's a wonderful life and the grinch and i think what they're doing here is they're saying we only have 90 minutes 
you've seen a Christmas Carol, you get it. Let's move on. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of where that's kind of what the film is asked you to do with her. And I think given those parameters, Christine Baranski delivers that perfectly. I also want to say very similarly, um, Treat Williams in one of his final roles um, is great as the love interest. He's got nothing in this film. I was just saying, he's not given much to do. No, he's got nothing. He's only there because um, because the plot wants or not the plot. I shouldn't even say the plot because that's not the plot. The formula wants no, her to have formula. a love. Yeah, yeah. yeah, wants her to have a love interest because that is part of the Christmas movie formula. And I'm not sure there's anything even written on the page. Like he might not have actual lines written. It's like they dropped Treat Williams into it and they said. You've seen these films. Just make it work. Like, just figure it out on the day. And he and he does what he can. And because the character has nothing. He's got nothing to do. It, um, why does he forgive her? I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, why is he? I mean, I guess I guess I get why he's mad at her because he, she did, you know, leave him to sleep with someone else um, the day he was going to ask her to marry him. But also that was 30 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's like you know, move on. I guess. But also, what? Okay, I I said we were wrapping up. I definitely gave us a signal that we're wrapping up. What was their courtship like? That she has her father has not let her go to a single dance, but he's ready to propose to her. What has been their courtship? Um, maybe it's just a promise ring, you guys. <laughs> I guess I I think it was supposed. To, I I I I got the impression it was supposed to be. That was the day that he was asking her to marry him. But also, I don't know why her father, like, I guess it's just the trope of he's the overprotective father, which is why he would be the, you know, why he is in the position to give her baby away. Like, because he, it, they don't seem like the kind of family where it's like, no, you cannot, you know, you cannot dance. We must move to the footloose town. Right. Or, like, or like, my way or the highway. Like he's super controlling, which, right. but uh, that's the story. All the, the story other, is that. Yes. All the other scenes we have of him, he's, he seems to be a pretty good guy, benevolent. But, Except know, for uh, with her, with her, with her, <laughs> he's overprotective. He doesn't want, he wants her to study so she can't go to dances. It's, it is, it is weird. It's, because they need, you know, the, the movie doesn't give you time to develop it because it needs to move you along so that she can, you know, sleep with the carny. I mean, it's it's a weird it's a weird choice um, because, you know, they started with, OK, we need her to be the secret mother of this other character and neither of them know how do we get there? Well, the only way that she could not know is if she gave him away at um, at birth. But then if she gave him away, she would have followed him. So she's got to, he's got to be taken away. Well, who could take her away? Okay, it's got to be the father. Okay, so what's the father? Well, he must be a hard ass who can't even let her dance. Okay, well, like it's working backwards from a really weird premise to start with. Yeah, I like how you said like, well, we need her to have a secret child. Yes. Do we, do we need her to have a secret child? <laughs> Most Christmas, Joe. The most Christmas. <laughs> um, so we've resolved nothing. <laughs> yes. Except that this this has a web of influences. Uh, and that rather than presenting its own characters and plot, it, it trusts you to be familiar with those and just go along with Dolly Parton's music. Mm-hmm. Which is great. So, yeah. So not only do you get a Christmas special, you do all the work. 
<laughs> you get to do the work, Hannah. You get to do the work. <laughs> She's sharing with you. Yes. Light your light, Mav. <laughs> uh Listeners, if, you, if you're wondering where this uh, th- this just mishmash of Christmas stories exists, it's, a, it's available on Netflix. Yes. Uh, and it was a Netflix production, so it should stay there. Though, <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the way streamers are running their businesses does not make that a guarantee. It was once felt like a guarantee. Yes. <laughs> Someone needs to send some ghosts to Netflix and Disney and well, right. Paramount well, and, 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 and Max. And really yeah. Max. Primarily yes. Max. Primarily Max and to a lesser extent Disney, yes. Yeah. Netflix so far has been pretty sta- pretty much holding on to their productions. Yeah, but they do cancel like almost all of their shows. Yes, after, after, after season, season. season. That's true. After the third uh, season, yeah. yes. When they re- and, yeah. They keep like, bringing your whole prices. model is – your whole model is based on people binging these things forever. So let the story be finished, please. So that other people will want to binge them. I, I mean, I'm just saying if you're raising the theater ticket prices and you're also raising the streaming prices and you're giving us less content, like eventually something's going to have to give. Plus there's no more password sharing. So um, I guess be prepared to pay like $22 to watch Christmas on the square. If you don't have Netflix already. <laughs> I mean, I will say maybe we're learning that the Wall Street ideal of infinite growth forever, maybe not possible. Maybe we should settle for reasonable profits this year consistently. Mm. I'm not. I'm not a Wall Street. So what do I know? You're clearly not the person with the New York penthouse collecting their tax breaks, Joe. Yes, I would be a benevolent one, making us a little town named after myself. <laughs> Oh my God! Could we live in Dorowskiville? Would anybody be able to say it and spell it? <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, please go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That does help us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme mu- music. Mav and Hannah, is there anything you would like to plug? We we have a show. Yeah, I presumed you would plug that one. <laughs> um, you can follow us every week, most weeks on Vox Popcasts, which is V-O-X-P-O-P-C-A-S-T dot com on your podcast catcher of choice, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. We're probably there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun one. You've been doing it for much longer than I than I realize. <laughs> As this comes out. I, I can't not do math. I believe probably this drops the week we're on roughly 297, 98, somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a, that's a healthy podcast life right there. Um, and we've had most of the hosts of Fox Podcast. Most of your regular guests have popped over here, I yeah. think, if, if not all at this point. And, and, and vice versa. There, there will be, there'll yeah. be familiar voices if you if you subscribe. Please do. Yeah, strong recommendations for Vox I mean, Podcast. Once I did try and replace Mav with Joe over <laughs> conflict about Lost. So. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Thank you.
this one was falling off the rails there at the very end in, in the best ways. 